0: Honestly, if I went up to my employer and said, could you start paying me in Bitcoins? And they were the state of New York. What would happen? They'd go, they'd look into their SAP system. They'd go, oh, hold on. Can you phone someone in payroll? They go to payroll. They say, so does our bank do custody for Bitcoin? No. "Uh, Does anyone have a Bitcoin wallet? Someone at the back puts their hand up. Yes, I've got a Bitcoin wallet. Do you need me to send someone a Bitcoin? No, not a whole Bitcoin okay we'll convert well i can't tell you what his pay is because of hr so how can we we borrow your bitcoin can we use your bitcoin
1: wallet please write please write down 24 words here
0: so so can you see why it's difficult like he's asking for something that's difficult to do
2: started during lockdown needed something to You. and so from a garden shed in a box room in West London they're discussing tech. It's the
0: podcast. welcome back how's your time away wonderful yeah
1: oh god yeah you need to go to the Maldives uh, of all people I think you would really love it so you know the middle of the ocean on a beautiful atoll it's another world you, you go snorkeling or diving and it's, as I explained to my parents, it's like it's like literally an alien planet, just might as well be, because everything is different. The coral, the fish, the, the creatures that you see, it's just incredible.
0: From looking on a map, and what I saw was a series of ring-shaped islands laid out in a ring.
1: Yeah, an atoll. I think that's what and, an atoll And when is. you're
0: on one of them, you can see some of the others, but not the whole ring. True. It's not. It's not like
1: Halo, where you've got like. Um, yeah, so you you can see some. Some are too far away to actually see. Literally, my question is um, it like Halo? Is it like no? It's a water.
0: <laughs>
1: no, you can see some that are nearby, but the distances are kind of enormous. So we took a seaplane from the airport to get to the island, and while you're on that seaplane, you see. A lot of these other islands dotted around, but you're talking about something that's, you know, north to south from the most northern atoll to the most southern one. I think it's, it's taller than the UK. You're talking about proper distances. And so there's this vast ocean in between them, which is, which is crazy. And one of the staff there was, was saying when he goes back to his island, which is one on the, on the south, um, by plane, it's like a day's travel, but by, boat it would take him two weeks wow taking two weeks by boat because you basically it has a lot of stops but yeah you've got serious distances to cover so obviously wow. he flies and we we kind of take it for granted because you've got basically what i'm saying is you can't get amazon Prime there that's the, that's the main the the main takeaway this all sounds nice but to me it's like
0: there's no hurry right i mean the maldives they're always going to be there so i'll just Throw it in the bucket list and check it (laughs) off at some point in the future, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of it. Some of it might have gone by then. A statement from the president of the Maldives at COP26, which is currently going on, where he was just saying, like, a lot of the Maldives has like a decade left at, at most, the smaller islands at least. And some of those islands are inhabited, they have local indigenous populations, they are at serious risk of just disappearing with sea level rising. And that's before you get into the other side of it, which is all of the sea life and the coal and everything we take for granted is probably most at risk from sea levels rising, waters getting warmer and climate change. Um Yeah. Yeah, that's really stark. It's crazy when you think some of those are inhabited as well. They're not these aren't just the tiny little like here's a patch of sand. It's actually some of them are just very shallow small islands with local indigenous populations and that can't afford to try and put up seawall barriers and, and completely terraform their space to make it a bit taller, you know, if a lot of your land is basically just a little bit above sea level, and you go up by 10 centimetres or 20 centimetres, you could quickly eat into the usable land on the island. But fortunately, COP26 is here, and uh, we're all sorted now. So what did you take away from all the things so far?
0: It's a bit like one of those events where the management comes in at the beginning, the politicians, to make some rousing inspirational speeches, and then leaves everyone else to actually do the work. (laughs) Just like, come on, boffins.
1: Come on, fix this.
0: By 2030. Let's see if we can't get this sorted.
1: The things I took away so far, cutting methane was a big thing. So the US and the EU and over 100 countries pledged to curb methane emissions by 30% by 2030. I mean, it's an important thing to do. I don't know if they said how they'll do it, but methane is arguably the worst greenhouse gas when it comes to mm-hmm. its impact on temperature change becoming net zero i think india said they want to be net zero over 2070 which is i'm always skeptical of any promise that's like 50 years away because i'm like who's going to be in charge like everything could change in that
0: we operate within political so, systems that can hold themselves to account within a, a four year or five year
1: yeah, life cycle
0: so, but best an eight year cycle <laughs> It's strange, right? Because then even between administrations, you'll see a commitment made to the Taliban from a previous administration, which you have to hold to those timelines under a new administration because of the commitment that was made. So 50 years from now, a commitment made by the Modi government, the Modi administration, what is the, I guess it's legislative that you would be, you'd feel a certain sense of legislative. I mean, we in the UK made a commitment I think a year and a half ago, that we're deliberately trying to break about the Northern Ireland protocol. <laughs> so it's, it's strange to think that 50 years from now, a government that will, uh, you know, will look back on something that Nehendra Modi had done and say, oh, yes, yes, we're, we're better keep to that under international law.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think anything that goes beyond 2030, I've kind of disregarded. Like you said, it's unlikely to, to stick around. The ending deforestation one was another one. So 130 countries pledged to do that. And that includes Brazil and the Democratic Republic of the Congo and Indonesia, which I think are like 90% of the world's rainforests. So that's important. I don't know how they're going to achieve that. Especially I don't understand Bolsonaro, the guy who's basically like, you know what, Amazon is open for business. Go and chop down everything you can find. Maybe he thinks he can get all the Amazon done in the next nine years. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so it's like, yeah will stop in 2030 at which point it will all be farmland <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i'm laughing but also crying inside and i think it's funny i read something about they'd already committed to do something like this in 2014 so not sure how this is any different basically can we sum up cop 26 that it's just a big talking shop or is there anything that actually matters in this
0: well i don't really understand the format so it, it is a really great forum for launching related press releases around the event. And so you've seen around the fact that COP26 is occurring, it helps to put pressure on our government, other governments to do a thing, make a timing of a launch, put pressure on companies to have some kind of product announcement related to it. And that's great. But the format of it is, we are all aware that we need to do something. There is a sense of peer pressure when you get people in a room. However, it's all voluntary and there's no enforcement mechanism. So come to the table, see what you want to announce, see what you can announce. There's a bit of jockeying for who can come up with a good announcement. China just hasn't shown up, which I think is a problem because... A a letter. Right, but it's coal emissions a significant contributor of greenhouse gases right now, and it's going all in on coal.
1: But China have their own plans to be free from coal anyway right they're just they're doing their own thing
0: right they they aren't keeping to the the news cycle on the (laughs) cop (laughs) 26 they're not aware that this is a great marketing opportunity no they're basically like they're on a they're on a five-year cycle it's a different plan it's it's a five-year plan the way to think about cop 26 is it's an exercise in mindfulness right there is a thing about putting lots of people lots of the eyes of the world on a particular topic for a particular given period of time. It's it's why we have Milan Fashion Week. It's why we have conferences and events. Even when they're virtual now and you dial into them, they are still a conference and event. It's a mindfulness exercise. It's, it's like not meditation. going on a yoga retreat. It's not like week. Week. going on a yoga go retreat. Go away. Go to the beautiful scenic <sighs> woodlands of Glasgow.
1: Ah, Central and Glasgow. then come back and continue doing exactly what you were doing before. <laughs> nice. <you> think about <laughs> That's exactly what it is. You're right. You go away. Everything you, you could stop. have been, who you could have
0: become. <laughs> I'm going to be
1: so much better. Straight back to the, the grind. Yeah. So it's almost like New Year's Day resolutions. <laughs> and then back to... It's about setting a yeah. North Star. But usually when you do that, you then plan like, here's the things we're going to actually tangibly do. And who's going to be accountable and responsible for doing it? Whereas on this, it feels like you're right. It's management at the beginning, setting a North Star, making a big claim. And then you walk away and go back to just whatever. I don't know. There were some really interesting ones. So like, was it 50% of EVs in the USA by 2050? Did I get that right? And the whole shift of financing away from fossil fuels to clean energy, again, interesting and probably the correct angle, but I don't know how you actually do that as a collective of countries
0: yeah it's funny because the kind of things that drive that change is like esg imperatives which is a kind of mindset shift in the investor community and expectation change it's weird how change happens I don't think it's completely divorced from COP26 that these other things are happening. I think mm. there's a societal shift. With the societal shift, there are environmental, social governance requirements put on pension funds. This changes the way that people behave in annual general meetings, puts pressure on the boards of major companies, which changes their behavior. And alongside it, you know, like the Congress passing the Biden 1.2 trillion infrastructure bill it results in some massive amount of money, 12 billion for EV charging infrastructure.
1: I just want to ask about the whole electrification thing, which was more to do with, just going back to the Maldives side, there, seaplanes and boats are the main form of transportation. And I think shipping small boats, large shipping containers, etc., and then seaplanes made me think, is electrification of other things other than cars happening? And if anyone knows, you would know.
0: Okay. Well, the thing is, you have to electrify everything. That's the goal. So,
1: yes. So that is a feasible goal? Uh, So is
0: it practical? I mean, when it comes to shipping, for ferries, you could use batteries. Okay. Lithium-ion or other. Hydrogen will probably get a look in Mm -hmm. as a great transport fuel. You talked about seaplanes. So for short distances, it's even possible to think about battery-powered flight. For medium and long distances, hydrogen is actually a really good zero carbon fuel for flight because of its energy density. I think really the the quick reference guide that you should be looking up for this is Michael Liebrich's latest version of the hydrogen ladder of what hydrogen does and doesn't work for. Oh uh, cool So you know how On the back of your fridge There's a sticker On the side of the fridge That says <laughs> yeah. It's energy efficiency And it the goes A, B, C, from a D. to G Yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's Like it goes Green through to red And like It's not efficient at all If it's in G mm. it's, it's a bad fridge Yeah he's done one of those For hydrogen And the link will be In the show notes And it basically tells you oh, Is cool. hydrogen On a hiding to nothing here Will it get a look in In the contest against example biogas or lithium-ion batteries or LNG or is hydrogen in this example it's the first best way of decarbonizing this particular segment and sector it's kind of like a quick reference document and I mean is it the truth has it come down from a cloudy mountaintop wreathed with fire and lightning no no it hasn't but it is quite a good starting point for a conversation So is there good thinking being done about decarbonizing things other than ground transport and electrifying things other than ground transport? Yeah, there is. And obviously, there's a lot of niches here. The Nordics have gone all in quite fast on electrifying ferries because they're full of ferries. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, cool. Yeah, they're doing it a lot. So that's
1: a good place to see what you can do with an electric ferry. I found, um, that doc, the high resolution version of the hydrogen ladder, and it has another thing called the Swiss army knife for hydrogen, which is also quite interesting. Yeah. That's pe- what people want you to think about <laughs> hydrogen. Oh,
0: they okay. want you to think that the little tool for removing stones from inside a horse's hoof, <laughs> that's hydrogen. The little thing for like hanging on a wire, I don't know why, but that's hydrogen. The little magnifying glass, that's hydrogen. <laughs> the, the can opener that's hydrogen they want you to think that that's hydrogen. everything is hydrogen whether gray whether green whether blue hydrogen they don't mind hydrogen 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 they say to you but what michael liebrick has done of formerly of bloomberg new energy finance as he said hey you know what for various political economic reasons or social reasons or fundamentally sort of behavioral reasons there are tipping point reasons why hydrogen is going to have its work cut out to do well in certain segments certain very particular use cases and in other cases it's going to be a breeze it's going to be a walkover hydrogen is going to absolutely crush it and so let's go through one by one and think about where hydrogen might do particularly well and where it's going to have to beat out this particular thing like biomass or something else where it's actually quite a close one and whether or not you can kind of get to the volumes which really make hydrogen affordable and successful is is a close one might be too difficult to call Uh, Jonathan I think it might be time for this week's not a sponsor which is me
1: (laughs) cool what's
0: this week's not a sponsor this week's not a sponsor is Bristol Street Motors in Sheffield (laughs) Bristol Street Motors is a car dealership and they're all called Bristol Street. So that's confusing. The one I mean is the one in Sheffield. Absolutely brilliant. They sold me my used Nissan Leaf. It's 2014 Nissan Leaf. Really good car dealership. Very clear, very plain dealing. And even though all my interactions with them were remote and COVID secure and done, for example, with the video camera walk around of the whole vehicle, I actually never, I bought my second hand car, sight unseen. It all went really well. I love the car we've got, and it's been a thoroughly good experience. That's Bristol Street Motors Sheffield Nissan dealership. Cool. This week's not a sponsor. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, And importantly, you don't live anywhere near Sheffield.
0: No, and my 2014 Nissan Leaf cannot get to Sheffield. (laughs) It's too far away. (laughs)
1: So what, what they'll do for you,
0: this is great, it's a national business. What they'll do for you, the Bristol Street Motors... Nissan Sheffield dealership is they can take your leaf if they have one. Who knows? Have they got one handy? They're selling like hotcakes right now. They'll put it on the back of a trailer for say £250 and they'll bring it to where you are for a reasonable price. And even if it's way beyond the range of its old battery.
1: That's incredible. Thank you. Thanks for that. Not a sponsor. Thanks, Bristol Street Motors Sheffield. It's been a couple of weeks. So I think it's these two weeks in crypto. These past two weeks in crypto, what's happened in the markets?
0: Bitcoin in the past week went up to uh, sixty-four thousand US dollars, and then has basically been sort of hovering around the sixty-one k mark for one bitcoin. Ethereum, meanwhile, is going very strong, having seen steady inclines in the past month, and it's now at four and a half thousand USD, and Weirdly, Binance Coin has shot up to over six hundred dollars, uh, a position that it had previously attained six months ago, coming close to its all-time high of seven hundred US dollars, having been hanging around at 150 and and, and looking quite stable, 150 US dollars. Solana's now showing that it can reach two hundred and fifty US dollars, which it's done very conclusively. So that's this fortnight st- stroke week in crypto. This week in the markets, uh, just really one comment on Tesla, which is it gained 50% in the last week or week and a half. What could have driven it is the announcement about car rental company Hertz acquiring a large number of Teslas and then follow an announcement saying that they were going to use them to lease them to Uber drivers at least half of them. And then tweet by Elon expressing bafflement at the stock price rise and clarifying for the record as if it needed clarifying that the contract hadn't been signed yet, sending the stock price downwards in response to his tweet, but not much. Ultimately, it didn't do so well on Friday, but the story of Tesla stock over the last week and a half has been a 50% rise. It's been quite profound. And that was this fortnight in crypto markets.
1: Well, we should not take two weeks off in future. Cool. And this week in crypto, Bitcoin white paper became a teenager, so it's now thirteen, which seems kind of short-lived for most things. But I guess in the world of crypto, that's literally the oldest thing that we have. So I think if you were to look at Bitcoin now and you were to compare it to the, its initial goals, it's still pretty closely aligned. Obviously, there's been certain improvements, upgrades, various things to to make performance and block size. Better to improve security and decentralization, all of those things. But the principle of it, you know, the preventing double spends, ensuring an adversarial landscape of miners to increase security of the network and ensure that it is truly decentralized and maintains its uptime, and then a fixed supply cap of decreasing inflation every, you know, four or so years. That's all stood in place, and I think I don't think there's many things that, 13 years later, you can look back on and go, "Oh, that thing that we talked about as an idea actually has turned out." You know, you have a, a small investment in Coinbase that you're very happy about, and one of the things about Coinbase is for retail investors they have really high fees. Did you see that recently? They've announced they're going to launch a subscription service, so a zero fee. Option. If you pay, if you trade a lot or invest a lot, you
0: can avoid all those fees. Doug, <laughs> it's funny. I think the number of people who are onboarding to Coinbase is really high. This past week or two, Bact has performed incredibly well on the markets, mm. rising in value hundred uh, percent in terms of its stock price. So, although Coinbase has done really badly on the markets, I think it's recovering. Well, I can tell you it is recovering right now.
1: So on Coinbase One, which will be their subscription model, you'll pay a monthly fee and then you'll get zero trading fees. So at the moment, their trading fees are what 3.5%. Don't Seems serious. high. But they have a really good user experience, apparently good customer support, all of that stuff. So yeah, they have
0: terrible customer support, but they, oh. they just have a name and uh, people
1: uh, know that you can use your credit card on Coinbase. Ah, okay. That's true. So with this one, you get priority support. Okay. I guess you're paying for it and you'll still have a price spread, which will apply, but that, I mean, that always applies.
0: It's a brilliant model, right? So a subscription model is fantastic. there are <laughs> some people who <laughs> will pay regardless of in a, in a, in a market where what you're supposed to do is probably just hold a position. Coinbase has managed to monetize your inactivity. Clever, clever, clever. Well,
1: not just that you're, you're almost incentivized then to trade more, which is where they get they'll get more activity in the market. Right, which helps
0: liquidity on their platform. It doesn't help them in the sense of they're not front-running your trades by sharing information about your trades in the markets. No, no,
1: no, not that side, but it's... Not that they're telling anyone that they're doing that. But it's good. I mean, recurring revenue models are generally gold. So when this does launch, if it does have a lot of pickup, I think Coinbase will get priced very differently as a stock, if you think about it. Because as soon as anyone moves to a recurring revenue model... They suddenly get seen as like, oh, you're like a Spotify now. So people pay £10 a month and get this. Great. We'll just times that by user growth. Ta-da. New valuation. Versus what they currently had to do, which was very much, it depends on market volume. And it depends on whether crypto is in a a bull phase or is in a a downtrend, right? So I think Mm. this this ignores that because you'd assume in a downtrend, people will be crying and then they'll forget they've got a subscription. (laughs) Mm. to coinbase that they're just uh, letting money slip away
0: i think it's yeah yeah i think so coinbase is up 30 percent since the start of october it's on an upward trajectory this is probably going to help actually okay so i need to ask you to explain something to me ethereum eth is on a tear why why is this
1: i mean there's so many reasons it's kind of just
0: nft mania did they change something so Uh, what is there been a new
1: eip No, but do you remember EIP-1559 that we went on about, for at least the episodes, four episodes? We kept. We kept talking about it. What a protocol. You kept proposal. it's ridiculous, it's too technical, blah, 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 we're talking about this too much. But what that did is it suddenly changed the mechanics for ETH where the more it got used, the more fees are getting burned, and just the less there is in circulation. And so what we've seen then is it's happened to, that went live, good. NFT mania set in where everyone went absolutely mental, minting everything in 10,000s of everything (laughs) for everyone, which, and minting NFTs and then getting other people to then sell them. I mean, that just, it just creates loads of additional volume on the network in addition to decentralized finance, which is already creating a lot of volume, which is basically meaning for, probably the only time in its history actually, the last month has been the most deflationary month for Ethereum ever. It's not actually fully deflationary, but there's been many days where it's actually been net negative in terms mm. of new issuance. I think that makes a big difference to just basic supply demand, price dynamics. But then this this recent all-time high happened with the Altair Beacon upgrade, which is the last upgrade. It's, it's an upgrade to the Beacon chain, which without getting too much into it, that's the chain that allows us to move to proof of stake. And this is the okay. last upgrade before Proof of Stake, probably early next year. And do you remember, I think one of the last upgrades they did, there was that, that kind of slight outage. There was one um, instance of one of the client software that didn't get upgraded in time. And then they it forked. And you ended up with a yep. small, small forks from certain people who were running an old version of the client that was not updated correctly by Parity softwares. So... That didn't happen. They had 98.7% of smooth upgrades within like the first few hours. and everyone, wow, Just I think, like an iOS so, upgrade. Just like a centralized upgrade, right? But this is actually getting everyone to choose to, to update to it without any issues, which I think is quite impressive considering the different node clients that are, are running this version of the new upgrade. So I think generally and why people... Why would
0: that have driven
1: this massive price rise in Ethereum? Any upgrade to the network, for people, who think about the, this is just my theory. But It think instills about confidence that it's, in,
0: there was success.
1: Institutional investment, not right. just us, but institutional investment, is looking at Bitcoin, which never, ever gets changes. They're very, very rarely. And if it does, it causes volatility. Ethereum, on the other hand, gets loads of changes. And yet they're now being put in the same funds and ETFs and, and people's portfolios for investors that want Bitcoin and Ethereum. These are the two they want. I think when Ethereum has issues, it can, you know, and high gas fees and all these other things happening, people get a bit nervous. When it has a really smooth upgrade, people are like, oh, it's kind of like Bitcoin, but just like the programmable side, right? So they get very... It's
0: funny, we're not hearing enough about Ethereum investments by institutional investors. You would say it's all there, it's just happening in the background without as much noise.
1: It is. There are announcements of, of a lot of custody provision from banks and major financial institutions but they're not making a big song and dance about it and obviously mm. there's no ETF on the cards at the moment but they have all the infrastructure for it right so mm-hmm. ethereum is a really solid place
0: well, i was going to say I've got a question for you <laughs> <laughs> so um how how much are you invested in dog money
1: you know what i wish i just wish i'd i'd been ironic and just thrown $100 into like Shiba Shib whatever it's called leash bone some sort of kennel.
0: I trust yeah. you have your Flocky safe, right? <laughs>
1: oh my god. Should I your... should I have Flocky because Flucky when you see
0: is a safe moon as Elon moon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so each time I see one of these I'm like that's one more canary. When you get to 10 canaries, get out the mine, it's going to collapse. <laughs> Um, you know, that's not how canaries work. <laughs> You're never very condescending about
0: um, dog money.
1: Can you explain Shiba to me?
0: So, yeah, some people did really well over Shiba know, And the context for this is obviously back in the day there was Doge, which has a friendly Japanese dog face on it. And it, it can't be taken seriously because there's an infinite amount of it. And it was just sort of copy paste code effort. But then it became a meme and other people said, yeah, it's a meme and it's community driven and that was treated as a virtue. And then many other breeds of Japanese dog had their own community driven coins. And then Elon Musk waded on Doge. And then at some point he waded on Shiba. And then Floki appeared out of nowhere I think is a bit more Norse themed, but I might be wrong, and then i've there's now ads on public transport networks in Dubai airport at conferences saying that flocky is the doge killer Shib used to be the doge killer, and the fact is these will all go to zero but but when and so timing your entry and exit from the roller coaster ride that is meme coins is to a large extent a fruitless exercise. Maybe it's better just never to get on. And if you've accidentally got on, get off, even if the ride hasn't stopped.
1: <laughs> You're telling people to, to jump off a moving roller coaster. Possibly the safest <laughs> exit. <laughs> that is your safe exit metaphor. Nice. Anyway, my, my advice on this is just generally be careful because when we saw the last dog money situation in the crypto markets is when we had the last top back in march everyone was getting into doge doge was going crazy shiba was going crazy people were launching different dog coins out of every orifice and then suddenly bitcoin and everything else came tumbling down because the whole market got a bit out of kilter and i think i'm starting to get a bit worried that that's you know it's back on the cards kind of the, the dog Ponzi is back and then maybe we'll just go through these cycles maybe instead of these kind of long steady cycles of, of market you know boom and bust that, that has existed in crypto it's going to be every three months there'll be a meme coin or meme or dog themed craziness a lot of people will get burned it will crash but then people will re-enter maybe that's the quarterly cycle we just need to be ready for but I'm just saying lots of dogs, be careful.
0: I mean, fad driven behavior, it does make, it does make millionaires and there are, there are winners and losers in every pyramid based sort of fad or craze cycle. I'm thinking of the the diet cycles, you know, the Uh, the paleo, the keto, the whatever you have. Atkins and yeah. Yeah. So like in those cycles, which run about, six months and they have overlaps but you, you have to quickly switch from one to the next and stay on top of which one is current there's a fashion and nobody ever exits it saying yeah i'm actually done with diets now actually people do <laughs> exit and say that but for different reasons but diets based thinking has not gone away mm. so then whereas you're using this as an indicator of a market top what you might be better to do is to say in human behavior sometimes we do fad and craze based behavior and those can be just as pyramidy as as any other uh, system and meme stocks and meme coins are with us to stay because that's the nature of fashion and people co-opt fashion and people win from fashion and people who do meme coins ought to be careful but there will be winners and losers
1: You know, the other week we talked about Andrew Yang and the, what was it called? Forward Party, that was it. And it was all going to be crypto first or crypto centric. The person who he lost the New York City mayor election to, Eric Adams, has just said within the first few days of him taking office that he wants his first three paychecks in Bitcoin. And he wants New York to be the center for the cryptocurrency industry. And to take the spotlight away from Mayor Suarez in Miami. He's trying to, like, pull some of the spotlight back to New York. So we were talking about, like, politics entering the the crypto space. I think at local government level, especially in the US, there seems to be this, oh, <laughs> I'm going to be the next mayor to make my city the place where crypto entrepreneurs want to live. And it's quite interesting because I think New York has a good case for it, what with its use as a financial hub for the world. I think you know, it kind of makes sense that he's trying to draw attention there. Well, that's true. And also the, the New York
0: district court does seem to end up making a lot of rulings and showdowns, for example, in their showdown against uh, Ripple and the position on stable coins. It's often a bit of a proving ground for cryptocurrency. And is, is it how he, how he tests compliant type discussions?
1: And so he actually called them out on it, on his, on his stuff, saying that he wants a better pro-crypto regulation from New York and for it not to be... Obviously, obviously it's their, their judgments are seen as being a strong representative view of, of how things should be regulated in the US, but he wants it to be more embracing of crypto.
0: Didn't Janet Yellen precisely say that the problem right now is the lack of clear remit between the, the different regulatory bodies in the space? Yeah, that happened in the past week or two.
1: I mean, she's right. It's a joke. They're all going after it. SEC, CFTC, all the different regulatory bodies want it to be the thing they regulate, which is no surprise there.
0: It was in the context of the challenge
1: of regulating
0: stablecoins. Oh, I see. That's probably why. Honestly... If I went up to my employer and said, could you start paying me in Bitcoins, and they were the state of New York, what would happen? They'd go, they'd look into their SAP system. They'd go, oh, hold on. Can you phone someone in payroll? They go to payroll. They say, so does our bank do custody for Bitcoin? No. "Uh, Does anyone have a Bitcoin wallet? Someone at the back puts their hand up. Yes, I've got a Bitcoin wallet. Do you need me to send someone a Bitcoin? No, not a whole Bitcoin. Okay, we'll convert. Well, I can't tell you what his pay is, because of HR. So, (laughs) can 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 we we borrow your Bitcoin?
1: Can we use your Bitcoin wallet? (laughs) Please write. Please write down twenty-four words here.
0: (laughs) So, so can you see why it's difficult? Like he's asking for something
1: that's difficult to do. Look, he's the mayor. I think he's setting a setting a tone. But it's Mm -hmm. just interesting that he's chosen to do that in the first few days in office. So there's, there's been a lot of other talk outside of NFTs, crypto, and everything else in the last two weeks. It's all been around this thing called the Metaverse. Metaverse. So I think we should just do a quick, like, this week in, meta, this week in the Metaverse. This week in the Metaverse. It reminded me, actually. Do you know, it was months ago, 21st of August, in episode 27, Most Personable Dog funny that we're still talking about dogs then we did a little walk around decentraland on the podcast you can go back that. and listen to it if uh, if you haven't heard that one and we walked around decentraland kind of critiquing and commenting on one of the metaverses available in the crypto world at the moment And then this week you it was saw top notch audio podcasting but it was interesting because firstly Anyone who went out and looked into Decentraland and maybe bought some of their native token mana will be very happy right now because it's done very well. All Metaverse things have done very well. And a result of that is the Facebook announcement. Or do I still call it Facebook? You can explain.
0: When you said a result of that is, what you mean is one of the causes of that Sorry, is not the Facebook a result. announcement. We yeah. didn't cause it, just to be clear. <laughs> So for a while now, Mark Zuckerberg has been talking about the metaverse. He's been saying metaverse, metaverse, metaverse. And then in the annual Facebook Connect developer conference, he used the opportunity to announce that Facebook's parent company, well, the thing is about the Facebook brand is it's become associated with, mired in a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, tiresome. And I think from Mark's point of view, facebook could be about and is about so much more than that it's not about looking backwards at stuff that happened in the past it's about thinking about the future which is more like ready player one and that's why facebook parent company is being renamed meta which apparently mark likes latin um means beyond in greek or something i don't know and so he was very proud of that and he appeared during the conference in his own home space, which is a place where he can invite friends, do his workouts and talk to and be spoken across by various of his employees and, and try to build rapport with other staff members in a sort of green screen space.
1: Jim and Google did this and they did the alphabet name change and then everyone kept calling it Google.
0: Well, stock ticker is still Google as well.
1: This is different from that, because they're actually changing the parent company to Meta. And there's going to be two sides, right? There's going to be... It's the same with Google. But people still... No one refers to it as Alphabet, right? Whereas I think here, are they going to no, refer to... People say to...
0: Google's parent company, Alphabet. Or they say Waymo, formerly the Google Self-Driving Car Project.
1: Oh, okay. So yeah, they do refer to things as Waymo. So if it was here, would anyone ever refer to it as Meta? Or as Meta just, uh, just purely there for earnings calls?
0: I think over time it's it's a bit like so people use constructions like the artist formerly known as prince so people will say Mm. the formerly facebook group of companies now known as meta
1: Uh, okay and their stock ticker will be mvrs though so they're not just leaving it as fb oh wow yeah so an mvrs looks more like metaverse Absolutely does, yeah. Very, very confusing.
0: Can we take us back to Neil Stevenson, who coined the term metaverse? In Snow Crash. So in Snow Crash, he, which was quite prophetic, in Snow Crash in 1992, Neil Stevenson coins the term metaverse, and it's an Earth-sized space. You materialise at specific points, a specific point. There is a highway that traverses the whole equator of the globe the metaverse globe and you could drive around the metaverse you can talk to people and it's basically the internet but with a bit bit more avatar-y flavor of the internet Uh, now we're faced with this profusion of people talking about a metaverse what on earth are they actually talking about what do they have in their minds what are the touchstones and archetypes that they are mentally referring to when they say this because not not enough of them like less than five percent of these people have read snow crash by neil stevenson they have seen star trek and they've seen the holodeck
1: they'll have seen ready player one and that's what they ha- yeah, they'll have that's... they'll have seen
0: rather than read ready player yeah. One*.
1: <laughs> yeah in their heads it's spielberg's ready player one there's uh There's just loads of, you know, naughties pop culture references in the metaverse. That's all it is. So what it is, is they're
0: thinking, I'll put something over my head. I might have to sit down or I'll be on a treadmill, like hanging from cables from the ceiling. And it'll be very immersive. And then when I finished, I'll take the goggles off. Meanwhile, the world around me will be absolutely horrible. That's the paradigm. (laughs) There'll be resource crisis, water shortage, absolute social decay, biker gangs. I'll be living in a trailer park that's been stacked vertically under scaffolding.
1: Oh, wow. You're really going very close to Ready Player One. It was That's into- kind
0: of what they, that's what's in their heads. You know in- and they're, they're thinking that it will be so bad that people want the relief of this escapist, like, you know, as much as much of the time as possible, both my education, my leisure and my commerce and my entertainment and my social interaction will all be screen time the screen will be about three centimeters away from my eyes or it'll be projected straight into the back of my retina or it'll be digitally implanted into my optical nerve and that's the vision of the future and I will try to
1: monopolize advertising spaces within that or, or leverage data oh god it's advertising isn't it you just can't get it. You know that scene in Futurama where they fly into the internet? They do that whole thing. They put on the VR thing. They fly into the internet and they're like, oh, my God, it's full of ads. And then the ads chase you through the metaverse. Um, it, It's going to be that, isn't it? But you know, do you know in Snow Crash, there's the thing where, like, Seasoned hack, cause it's all, it's all hackers, right? So it's not con- commoditized. Everyone's a bit of a hacker. And the ones that have like good hardware, they are more high resolution. They have like a better experience of the metaverse. Other people who've got like cheap, you know, low fidelity hardware, they dial in, but they're kind of blocky and a, a bit, a bit broken and they can't do some of the cool things. That's definitely what happens. I think in the, the version that we get, it'll be bandwidth. It'll be like, Oh, I'm on high speed fiber, gigabit connection. I get the high fidelity, full resolution, high refresh rate, you know, great polygon models through the metaverse. And then poor dial up experiences is going to get this kind of like cut down, really blurry, crappy version of, of it. I wonder if that will happen. Fun question. Do you think in his head, Martin Zuckerberg is, is hero protagonist? He's, that's like, he's like his username <laughs> <on> Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I... Hero protagonist. Password. Metaverse. <laughs> also, did you know Mark Zuckerberg was the first avatar to actually make the leap from the metaverse into the real world? <laughs> it's really
0: unimaginative because he he shows a poker game being played in a space station. And the people that he's dialed in with... One of them is a kind of photorealistic avatar, another one is cartoonish, another one is a gigantic robot, and then there's his version of himself, where he's talked to the employees that are charged with making the avatar of Mark Zuckerberg, and he said, no, can you dial it back a bit, make it less, no. And that what they've ended up with is kind of a memoji, Mark Zuckerberg, if you didn't have much imagination. And that's it. That's all they've given him. And he's gone, yes, I'll use that for my big press launch. Let's turn to this week in NFTs.
1: Yeah, so I guess a good good segue. The NFT stuff has just followed. It's almost like you, you write an article about Facebook. You talk about meta. Then you talk about the metaverse. Then you talk about NFTs. And then eventually you get to crypto now. Crypto is the kind of old legacy boring stuff or oh, bitcoin that 13 year old technology yeah whereas i think they're starting with like the metaverse now it's really it um, really
0: normalizes it it's it's weird isn't it it's like oh yeah okay so you'll probably be paying using bitcoin in the metaverse boring
1: oh, what the thing the mayor wants to pay with that nah. <laughs> but yeah this week in nfts so i saw something about hackers that are now and you've got to be careful about this they're using nfts that they're dropping into your wallet. And when you try and open those NFTs, it will prompt a transaction to be signed from your wallet, which for newbies or people who aren't watching Outfit might think, oh, that's just something I just hit okay, accept the cookie kind of thing. But if you sign that transaction, they then will just take everything from your wallet. (laughs) You're basically signing over a smart contract that allows them to just lift all the stuff from your wallet. NFTs, Ethereum, everything, tokens. So... Just be careful about that because people are getting very... Hackers are just getting very clever with what they can do. And there's nothing stopping them just throwing an NFT into your wallet. They're spamming you. It costs them a bit in fees. They send it to you. If you then click on it and then sign that transaction with your keys, you're essentially giving them the ability to steal everything from you. So that's more of a public service announcement. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Do, do you think games count as Metaverse or not? because I wasn't sure on these ones. It's all come in the same wave of announcements, but EA Sports, the I think it was the CEO of EA Sports, on a recent um, talk said that NFTs and play to earn games are the future of the industry. And I was like, that's quite interesting because EA don't know the root of kind of ear games. They've gone very heavily into micropayment, annoying add-on things, in-game add-ons and in-game purchasing, which just drives me mad. It's like you pay $50 for or £50 for a game, and then you get the game. And to access all the other things of it, you've got to pay them more. They're really guilty for that as one of the worst... Give me an
0: example of a title, what that does.
1: They do it with a lot of their sports games. It's like FIFA and Madden and the NBA ones. You, you get the game, but then to access certain features or players or other things they'll be like, oh, you can get this, but then you have to pay for the thing. And you're like, but we paid for the game. It wasn't a free game. That's a freemium one. You paid for it, but then they're really guilty of making you pay, pay more to access all those additional features. But it's interesting because they still make really good games that they're now saying NFTs and, and play-to-earn are the future of it because that's a very different business model.
0: Yeah, play-to-earn is interesting, right? So doesn't it blur the line between what is ludic, what is... <laughs> playful and what what are you actually doing because like when i play you know i'm like the game itself is wherein is the joy and the goods like the value Mm. and the mastery of the game itself is part of what i should be deriving pleasure from but when you play a play to earn game you want to see the fruits of your labor, and you want those to be transferable, and you want them. To, you want to take. You want to be able to cash out at some point and say, "I have invested ten thousand hours of gameplay into this thing, and now I get to walk away from Final Fantasy 8 with a very big sword." Yeah. Um. Or from Axie, then- from Axie Infinity, with a load of a load a load of SLP. Yeah. So in play to earn. Something has happened and you've kind of blurred the line. Like, so you're now actually working and working at earning SLP in Axie. If you're in an EA games and you're shifting it more into a play to earn paradigm, I don't know what you did anymore.
1: You could do it, that'd just be different to game mechanics. So, say you did it with FIFA, but you had it for like an open league that everyone's playing. And then when you're winning games, you're getting paid. Or when you're selling players, you're earning some sort of in game currency. The, the weird thing for EA will be like working out whether they are doing the Fortnite thing of just basically just selling people stuff that's that's centralized or whether they're going to have an open market for... That's what made, makes Axie interesting, right? That you can take your SLP and you can sell it on like any exchange to anyone in the world without contacting the developer or anything. I don't know whether EA are ready for that.
0: Yeah. Because it's I mean, such a different up model. Now, there's been markets which are markets that are internal And those markets have mostly been based on prestige. And then there have been in-game marketplaces that have been changed to the environment and self-contained. And what's happening now is we're freeing those. We're making secondary markets available. We're freeing up liquidity. And it's about way more than prestige Uh, and kudos. It's about transferable objects. It's also about cashing out. Cashing out time spent really confuses the ludic nature of what gaming was meant to be. Well, they say life's a game,
1: so maybe that's all it is.
0: That's just a series of metaphors. (laughs) Could I take an NFT that I own and use it as collateral, put it down as collateral to take out a loan to get something real, like a
1: a small dog kennel? For your Shiba Inu. Yeah. (laughs) Some people can. it's, It's weird. This is one of those things where right now it's probably... I don't know, I'm going to say like 10 people who've legitimately just actually used this service because it's not mature and you don't have the the users there. But you could do that with a painting, right? If you got a painting valued at a certain amount and you then asked someone, oh, how much will you lend me using this as collateral? They'd probably do it if it was a painting. They're starting to do that with NFTs, but only the mainstream ones. So... Someone took out a loan for $1.4 million from NFT-Fi and they're paying 9.69% APR and the collateral they used was an autoglyph. So autoglyph from Lava Labs. Lava Labs, the people who made CryptoPunks and MeBits, they also made autoglyphs, which is generative art. And because there's only 512 of those, they're very, very expensive. So, you know, this loan was taken against a Autoglyph 488, which is one of the rarest Autoglyphs available. The floor price just for any Autoglyph is 299 ETH, which is like 1.3 million. So this is a really decent decent deal on the loan. But it's kind of one of those things where th- these will be the Bitcoin pizza moment. You know, some person buys a pizza for what is now millions of dollars of Bitcoin. But at the time was an idiot buying a pizza with Bitcoin. And over time, as, as certain NFTs become established and, you know, punks last for five or 10 years, I think people will start saying, okay, you can use that as collateral. It has a recognizable market value. I know I can get a buyer for this. And uh, and these type of things will become another form of finance. Kind of weird though. Can't deny it. At the moment, it's kind of weird. So what platform did it happen on? NFTFi, kind of all in the name. NFT finance.
0: So did a CryptoPunk sell for 500 million, in other words, half a billion dollars? The answer is no, it didn't. It was a wash trade. Right, so now we go to our final segment, which this week in a change to the traditional schedule is no longer called CryptoPunk or CryptoFunk. It's no longer called Shitcoin or Fakecoin. Coin. so long that we did that. <laughs> it's in fact called
1: Metaverse or Metaverse. In in keeping with the theme of the week, there's been so much news. We haven't actually covered all of it. So the way this will work, we each have to give two news headlines, one of which is a real one and one of which we've made up, and it has to be about the metaverse. Love the format, by
0: the way. (laughs) So you're just going to read out the headline, uh, and it's from the last week, and one of the headlines is real, one of them is made up, and we have to decide which is which... I love it. Take it away, Jonathan Tipper. Cool. So
1: my first one is... Metaverse
0: or Metaverse.
1: Metaverse or Metaverse. So this first one, really interesting news story. The studio behind the Matrix will partner with Nifty's and sell 100,000 Matrix-inspired avatars with buyers being given the option to transform them by taking a red pill. Next. Uh, The second one is that... Primark have started a low cost metaverse clothing line. The fast fashion clothing giant wants to bring fast fashion trends to the metaverse, but at a lower cost entry and without the focus on resale value and scarcity. They just want you to look your best in the metaverse.
0: So the studio behind the
1: Matrix (laughs) is um, Warner
0: Brothers. Correct. Right. Okay. It wasn't really a metaverse related story, was it? Because it was just they're going to just make some NFTs. And they weren't really avatars. They were NFTs from the Matrix, right? So, within the terms of the game itself, it wasn't like uh, you sort of in that scene where Neo is flexing and the walls of the corridor that he's in are bending outwards. It, you've you've done that to the parameters of the game itself. You, you've
2: how is slightly this not, shifted. How is this not metaverse? This is the, the
0: terms of play.
1: I think they're both Nonetheless, metaverse lines.
0: I think. Taking it all at face value, the Primark one is the Metaverse and the Warner Brothers one is the Metaverse.
1: Correct. I still maintain that it's Metaverse related, not not least because it is, but also it's about the Matrix, which is itself a Metaverse. So it's, it's Meta, <laughs> but not Facebook Meta, just actually Meta. Feta. Feta. <laughs> your, your <turn. laughs>
0: All right, metaverse or metaverse. Headline, Microsoft partners with consensus to verify NFT avatars across company platforms. Interesting. Oh, next one. Headline, Tinder to launch Singletown (laughs) where users can meet in virtual bars in the metaverse and
1: do live audio chat. Oh my god, that's actually is a genius idea. Microsoft partner with consensus—that wouldn't happen, surely. To do verification of—is any- that even a metaverse thing? Have you have you neoed the matrix and, and bent the walls?
0: I mean, you can ask me questions, but um, you can't really answer I don't, them. I, I don't even know if that breaks the format boundaries, <laughs> but you can ask me questions because uh, I can help you unpack it. So remember what it is that consensus is. The people behind yeah, they- your fav your favorite browser-based web extension wallet known as MetaMask. Correct, and therefore, once you verify your NFT avatar across through through MetaMask, uh, it could be viable across such platforms as
1: name them: the Matrix,
0: LinkedIn, Teams, Minecraft, <laughs> Xbox Live.
1: Uh, I see what you're saying.
0: Blue check mark.
1: Uh, so this is. So, uh, where, is, where is the Tinder thing?
0: Tinder thing, ask me a question. Um, Any question you like.
1: Where is this available? Where where will this be available?
0: You, you already know about the Tinder in-app currency, Tinder Coins. I didn't actually. Right, which already is live in some markets. Well, this is just a 2022 extension of that into digital goods in Singletown. In Singletown.
1: So, I'm going to say the microsoft one is the metaverse and the tinder one is the metaverse
0: and jonathan tipper let me tell you this so uh microsoft partners with consensus to verify nft avatars across company platforms is the metaverse that is not correct i made that up and what is true? The metaverse is that Tinder is going to launch Singletown, where users can meet in virtual bars in the metaverse and do live audio chat.
1: No way! I'm kind of glad that's that's a real one because that does sound really. That actually, sounds quite interesting. Cool, nice format. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm really gutted that I lost the first one. <laughs>
0: Ah, right excellent pod great pod thank you Jonathan and talk to you next week
1: I'll speak to you next week
2: started during lockdown needed something to do they looked at each other they said hey I like talking to you and so from a garden shed in a box room in West London